Thank you for tuning in to the Graceway Sermon Cast. Graceway is a church located in Lexington, Kentucky, with a heart for God and a vision for the gospel. I'm Derek Holmes, lead pastor. So grab your Bibles and let's hear from the Word. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Glad to be in God's house. Um, just want to echo uh, what Jason said. Keep praying for our pastor. I appreciate him asking me to fill in in his stead. It's always an honor to, to fill in on a Sunday morning. Um, as we get started, if you want to go in your Bibles, we are in the book of Hebrews this morning, Hebrews chapter 10, if you want to start turning that way. Um, last week, uh, Pastor went through uh, some of the goofy holidays that, that come around, and he talked about um, a holiday that originated of the show Seinfeld called Festivus. Festivus for the rest of us, and uh, a Festivus tradition is the airing, airing of grievances. Uh, I'd like to air my grievance before I get started. Is that all right with everybody? I have a grievance with um, everybody who's around during practice in the morning, not letting me sing How He Loves the way I want to. Um, the original lyric in the song, they won't let me sing it. It's, uh, we sing it how we traditionally sing it, and heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss, but the original lyric is my favorite. It says, and heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. I like it better that way, but they won't let me sing it, so I'm airing my grievances now. I, I, get, I get to sing it that way in practice. I never get to sing it that way in church. Mm. That's my grievance this morning. Um, this morning, uh, it's a new year. Happy New Year. 2020. Be prepared for every church thing that you're going to see and every, every ministry thing related regarding this year involves some variation of 2020 vision, seeing 2020, because preachers just can't help it. They're going to jump on that theme as much as they can. Um, it's, it's too good of a theme not to leave. And then in 2021, get ready for all the, all the jokes that hindsight's 2020. That's, that's coming. I know it is. It's going to happen. Um, those jokes are, are going to happen. I know they are. Um, this morning, we're going to talk about our New Year's resolutions. Oh, yeah, and as you can see from the title already, how many, let me ask, how many of us made New Year's resolutions? Anybody make New Year's resolutions? Some of us made them. So I saw some, I saw some very sarcastic looks. Some of you were like, mm, I break it anyway, I'm not making it in the first place. How many of us that, we're, we're just not making it in the first place. How many of you that made resolutions have already broken them? It's the fifth, we're already that far. Anybody, anybody broken them already? <laughs> I see like four hands that are like, mm, nobody wanted to admit it. Um, uh, talking about our resolutions. Um, and, and I want to talk about not just New Year's resolutions because it's very topical and of the moment, but really any decision we're going to make. Any, anytime we're going we're gonna to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a change, and the way I'm going to make a change for the better, um, this will apply to, but it just happened to work around resolution time. So the title of the message this morning, our resolutions are already broken. Um, and what I mean by that is it doesn't mean you, you're, you're, you're done before you start. You might as well not even make them. What I mean is the process by which we make our resolutions is broken. It's flawed. It is inherently flawed, and therefore any resolution we make out of it is going to be flawed. We tend to, to, to what, were so, what are the most popular New Year's resolutions? Don't tell me yours, but tell me some of the most popular ones. What are they? Lose weight. What else we got? Go to the gym. The, the, there are more advertisements for Gold's Gym right now than I've ever seen before in my life. Planet Fitness, is that the one? They sponsored New Year's Eve. They know what they're doing. They gave everybody a Planet Fitness hat. Here's your Planet Fitness cheeseburger. That makes no sense. Uh, <laughs> uh, what are some other ones? Make more money. Amen. What is it? Save more money. Quit smoking. Um, watch less TV. Watch more TV. I don't know what your life is. Um, 
everybody's got the got their thing. Um, and then uh, and then we have our super, super spiritual resolutions, right? We put out a reading plan at the beginning of every year because we have those people that say we're gonna I'm gonna read through the entire Bible this year, and you barely make it past Lamentations, right? I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself, barely, especially when you get into Leviticus. Leviticus is, is a bit of a slog to get through, right? Did they just say the preacher said that one of the books of the Bible is hard to get through? Yes, it's hard to get through. It's tough stuff. So we, it, we, we make our super spiritual resolutions. I'm going to get through the Bible in here. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to volunteer more. I'm going to do more. I'm going to give more. If you want to give more, give more. That'd be great. Um, all these things that, that we talk about. Um, but we're going to look at Hebrews this morning, and we're going to take a look at where, uh, where our decision-making process is flawed. And, and Hebrews is a great book. Hebrews, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. We have a good idea, um, and that is one that theological scholars and professors and Bible nerds like me like to debate back and forth with each other over and over and over again about just who wrote the book of Hebrews. The popular theory is that it was Paul. Some people say it could have been Apollos, it could have been Luke, um, down to some people thinking it was, it was a few other people out of the, a few other people. Um, and then there's even been an interesting theory lately um, that's popped up that somebody, somebody postulated, that ba- and they had some good evidence for it. I won't go through it because it's, it's very, that would be a whole message unto itself. The idea that Hebrews may have been a sermon that Paul preached and that Luke wrote down. So that's, that's another prevailing theory, just because of the content of it is very much Paul, but the way it's written is very much Luke. So possible that Paul preached it at some point or sent it in a letter and someone read it out loud and Luke wrote it down, because that's entirely possible for the time. Um, so there's your Bible nerd trivia for the day. Um, a resolution is, deci- is defined as a firm decision to do or not to do something, or the quality, quality of being determined or resolute. Let's break that down. A decision to do something. I will typically break that. A decision not to do something. I end up doing it anyway. The quality of being determined or resolute. I am determined and resolute until I am hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. It's based on a mood, right? I can be determined and resolute for a moment, but the moment I'm hangry, all sense goes out the window and the argument begins. Where do you want to eat? I don't care. Well, where do you want to eat? Let's go to Burger King. No, I don't want to eat there, but you said you didn't care. It's the same argument, and we have it every time. Um, It'd be smart if somebody opened a restaurant, one called I Don't Know, and another one called I Don't Care. Just saying. Lexington's full of them. Why not two more? Maybe we keep breaking our resolutions because our system for making them in the first place is inherently broken. This morning, we're going to look at two key things to keep in mind when we're making our resolutions or our changes or any time that... I don't know about you, but have you ever come down to the front at the end of the service and rededicated, and your church, church family gets, gathers around you and rallies and says they're going to pray for you, and they do, and you feel their prayers, and you feel that moment where I need to, I need to move things around. God has moved on my heart in this message or in this moment, doesn't have to be in church, and I'm going to change things. And you do for a little while, but it doesn't take, it doesn't stick. We're taking a look at that, that moment of decision and what's wrong with it and, and, and where we're going wrong and why these, mo- these decisions aren't sticking. Why does my resolution not stick? Why does my rededication, the, the thing I decided at the moment of rededication, God was all in on my rededication. It was me who faltered. Where are we messing up? Two things we can pull out of Hebrews. We could pull countless things out of the Bible. We're going to look at two quick things in Hebrews this morning. Um, and let's read... Um, in Hebrews 10, verses 11 through 14, 
And, it's, and in Hebrews, he, he starts out uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews, Hebrews was written to Hebrews by Hebrews, but the point of the book was to stop acting like Hebrews. That was the idea because the, the, the Jewish people who had found Christ and were starting the new church were holding on to these old Hebrewic laws and these old Judaic laws and these customs, and they were saying, you need Jesus and this. And the point of Hebrews is he's pointing out that you just need Jesus. It was a culture, and see if this sounds familiar, it was a culture that knew Jesus, they'd heard of Jesus, and they were incorporating Jesus in what they already had, but they would so quickly go back to their creature comforts of their culture. For them, their culture and their religion was to, to go back to the, to the cultural Judaic things that they, were supposed, that they thought they should be part of. The, the sacrifices in the temple, all of that stuff. It was part of their culture, and it was comfortable. And so they would go back to what was culturally comfortable rather than clinging to Christ. Does that sound at all like our American Christianity? I think Hebrews is a very apt book for us to take a look at. I think it, I think it very much applies to today. Um, and as we take a look, we're going to start in verse 11. And so he's just described the perfect sacrifice of Christ on the cross and then he compares it. He says, every priest stands day after day, in verse 11, ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, being Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool, for by one offering, and this is our, our big verse here, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. The Holy Spirit also testifies about this, and then he continues on. But that, that verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. And that one offering, he, he compares it to those many, many offerings that were made in the temple over and over and over again. And there was a time when that was the plan, but once Jesus came, that plan was gone. Jesus was the plan. And so he's saying day after day, time after time, they're putting their hope and their faith in these little sacrifices to get them to heaven, but it's only Jesus. He died once for all. And so he gets us, he gets us to that point, and, and um, he, he's laying out the value of what Jesus did on the cross. I'm, um, I'm a nerd. You guys know this. Uh, I have uh, collected comic books and, and action figures since I was young enough that that was like normal until now when it's not as normal and people look at me weird. Um, so I, I've collected stuff. And when you go, I, I've, I've been in comic shops where people come in and they think I've got the greatest first issue of this or the, the rarest collectible there is. And they, they bring it in and they say, well, online it says this, this Spider-Man action figure from the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, whatever it is, online says it's worth $3,000. And they bring it in and the, the, the guy behind the counter, if you guys have ever watched Pawn Stars or anything, he's like, best I can do is about 50 bucks. And he says, online it says it's worth $3,000. He's like, yeah, maybe to somebody, but not to me. The value of something, the point I'm getting to, is that the value of something really is determined by what people are willing to pay for it. The value of anything. The problem is you and I, and this is, this, is, this is leading into our first point, that you and I keep looking for our value elsewhere. But if you want to know where your value is, it's in what Jesus paid for you. And he paid it all. We keep looking for value in other things. And that's the first point this morning. I'm sorry, I don't have it on the screen, but you can write it down. It's point number one. Our value and validation come from Jesus, and we'll never find it in a New Year's resolution. Our value and validation come from Jesus, 
and we'll never find it in a New Year's resolution. The flip side of that coin is also true. A New Year's resolution or a plan failed does not make you any less valuable in God's eyes. You can't, in the same way that we can't get him to love us anymore, we can't get him to love us any less, your value is not determined by, by any worldly standard. Your value is determined by what Christ paid for you on the cross. That's your inherent value. And, and the world is going to tell us our value is based on so many other things. We keep, we keep looking at the wrong things to give us value which they can't because nothing of this world can actually put more value into us as human beings, into our soul. So what do we do instead? We go looking for things that make us feel valuable. And if we feel valuable, we're satisfied. Let me, let me tell you, that is a dangerous place to be. To feel satisfied by the world's standard, to feel satisfied in where you're at and, and with your value as a person. And maybe you're thinking, I don't, I don't, I don't go looking for value and validation and other things. I think no one sets out to do that on purpose. I think every single one of us in this room are doing it to some level, uh, subconsciously. It's the way we see ourselves. It's the, it's the, the, the best example I can think of. It, it, my favorite band in the world is Casting Crowns. Anybody with me? Casting Crowns, they're awesome. Mark Hall from Casting Crowns. He's a youth pastor and he's a singer. And uh, a couple years ago, he, got, he, had a, he had a real problem with his throat. And his doctor put him on, on rest. He couldn't talk. He was not allowed to make sound for several months as he recuperated. And so he, had, he, he said he went through kind of this crisis of identity because he always thought of himself as a youth pastor and a singer, and now he can't talk. And he said in that time, in, in that time he decided to, get, to just dive into his quiet time because it's all he had. And he came to the idea that I'm not a singer and I'm not a youth pastor. I'm a child of God. And that realizing that his value wasn't wrapped up in what he can do for people or what makes him famous or what makes him popular or even, even what he uses to praise God with, that we can praise God many other ways and that our value comes in the fact that we're his. That's where your value comes from this morning. And I, I just want to tell you, if you're, if you're looking for it in money, if you're looking for it in your fitness, if you're looking for it in all these things that we talked about we make our New Year's resolutions based on, I just want you to know being in shape will never make you more valuable. And I'm not, and it's also the motivation behind it. If you want to get, if it, uh, the least in shape person in the room is talking about this, this is ironic. If you want to get in shape because you want to take care of the temple that God's blessed you with and be a good steward of your body, that's great. If you want to get in shape because you think somehow it will make you more, you've given the idea of being in shape too much power. Because God doesn't value you more or less either way. And the world certainly says they're going to value you more because of it, but truly the world, whether it values you or not, can't give you anything to that value. The world didn't pay for you. The world didn't pay for us. Jesus did. The one who created us in the first place bought us back. The world will never be able to pay the price he paid. Satisfaction in our culture will never compare to salvation in Jesus. It just can't. It never will. So that first point, um, our value and validation come from Jesus. We'll never find it in a New Year's resolution. And then we go further in Hebrews chapter 10 in, in verses 19 through 25. And it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness, and he's, he's continuing off what he talked about, the, the sacrifice of Jesus. He says, Because of that, we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus. He has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. 
And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. It makes it all about him. And then verse 24 and 25 are kind of the, the crux of this whole thing. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Verse 25, uh, if you're reading that, uh, King James is it's the way I've always heard it in my head, uh, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together is the way it says it. Um, gather and assembling, whichever word you're using there. Uh, again, I'm a nerd, <clears throat> and I collect uh, action figures and, and, and comic books and all that stuff. The point of collecting, anybody else collect something? Maybe not as nerd as me, baseball cards, something, something. Yeah, we all have some sort of collection. Um, the point of the collection, right, is to get all of them. You want all of them. You're never satisfied. You keep collecting. You keep buying. You keep going. You keep getting. Um, you, you want everything. If, you, if you've got a particular set, you want all of those. I've seen my wife get nasty in a flea market trying to get that last Disney glass from the 90s, right? <clears throat> thought she was going to have a fit yesterday in Peddler's Mall. No, we want all of them. We're trying to get them all together. Um, that word, gather or assemble, whichever, whichever version you're reading out of it, the original word it comes from, um, it was a double entendre meaning in, in, in their language, but it means a complete collection. So he's saying, don't forsake a complete collection of yourselves together. Get everybody together. But why? Just so we can, we can check the box of church attendance. No, there's a point. Not neglecting to gather together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And before that, he says, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works. That is the point. I have heard people talk to me and say, I can be a Christian and not go to church. That's true for a while, but it doesn't work for long. You can be a Christian and not go to church, but it doesn't last because the point of church is to come together and praise God. But it's also what he lays out here for us is that we're supposed to encourage and lift one another up. That's part of the point. It's for his glory, but it's to bless others. We're supposed to be blessing each other. That's point number two. So if number one, our value and validation come from Jesus and we'll never find it in New Year's resolution was point one. Point number two, we were never called to focus on ourselves in the first place. That's where our, our resolutions and our changes go wrong is because they get too self-centered, too self-focused. I'm gonna do something for me that makes me feel good, that benefits me because me, 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 me. I'm really good at the me, me language. I speak a lot of me language. This is for me, this is I, I want to, me, I'm going to, me, myself, and I. I'm a very, very selfish person by nature. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we, that we can break through and start looking at others. Um, you, can, you can find countless verses of Scripture that talk about how we're supposed to serve others before serving ourselves. Anybody heard of the joy principle, J-O-I? What's it stand for? Jesus, others, yourself. That's how we get real joy. By putting those priorities in order. We focus on Jesus, then others, then yourself. Excuse me. <clears throat> C.S. Lewis said it really well when he talked about humility, saying that humility is not thinking less of oneself, but thinking of oneself less. We don't put ourselves down to put others up. We just put ourselves second, third, actually. We put ourselves in, in the right place in line. It goes Jesus, then it goes others, then it goes 
ourselves. And that is something that is completely contrary to the idea of the American dream and the American way of Christianity that we look, of th- look at things. It is completely backwards to our current culture, isn't it? Everything is about self. Everything is about me. Everything is about what I can get, what makes me happy, what makes me feel validated, what makes me comfortable, what makes me feel safe. It's all about the individual. And so that's, and that's why people have compromised on what truth means. And so we've gone to believing that truth is relative, that what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me. And that way we don't have to argue, right? But what if my truth says your truth is a lie? What if my truth says your truth is guaranteeing you a place in hell? And what if my truth says that you can be saved out of it? Is it worth the argument then? And some of you are flashing back to just, just white-knuckling it at the table on Thanksgiving, just praying nobody's real feelings slip out. <laughs> and then the argument begins. Been there. Um, <clears throat> what if we made it our New Year's resolution to lift each other up before lifting ourselves up? What if everybody in this room decided that that's what they were going to do? I'm, I'm going to focus on others before I focus on myself. Another what-if question. If we all decided that, what would this church look like? If everyone decided I'm going to serve others before serving myself and I'm going to start with this little body of believers that we've got going and this church family, I'm going to serve each other. Spoiler alert, that's what we were meant to do in the first place. That's how it's supposed to be. And I'm chiefest among us for being guilty of focusing on my comfort and my convenience We as American Christians sacrifice so many things God's called us to on the altar of convenience. If it's not convenient for our schedule, if it's not convenient for for what we've got going on, if it's not convenient for our money flow, we eschew it. It goes to the side. Serving with what you've got left over, whether it's your time, your talent, or your money, the extra that you're not using anyway, that's not sacrifice. We're called to sacrifice that, that which we hold on to for what's better. And some of us are just giving out of the extra. And when there's no extra, we just don't give. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about the talent that God's given you. I'm talking about your abilities. If there's extra, I'll give it. But if there's no extra, that's for me. That's not sacrifice. And that's an inward way of looking at, at how we serve. And here's the other thing you've got to understand. <clears throat> um, You and I were created and saved to honor God, first and foremost. And then after that, to be a blessing to those around us. Biggest part of that blessing is sharing the gospel. That is job number one after honoring God. But you and I, and I'm not trying to beat you over the head with it. I'm just thinking maybe some of us haven't realized it yet or haven't thought about it in a while. But you are created to be used of God to bless the people around you. That's our purpose. That's part of our purpose. We don't just have one purpose. Honor God, share the gospel, bless those people around us. Because everybody else's job is to bless the people around them. And the problem is when we all decide to be selfish about it, everybody starts looking out for themselves. And it's fair to have the attitude of, well, no one's looked out for me lately, so I'm going to look out for me. That's fair. God never called us to be fair. He called us to give everything we have in service of the kingdom. It's tough. It's not easy to do. It's, it's very easy to talk about, but it's not easy to do. Um, so we talk, about the, we talk about our 
our resolutions and how they come around once a year. And we make them at the beginning of the year thinking this arbitrary idea that I'm going to make 2020 better than 2019. Why does it have to go on a yearly cycle? Truth is, it doesn't. If we look in God's Word, it actually goes on a daily cycle. Because uh, if we look at Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, they'll be up on the screen. It says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies are made new every morning. God's on a daily calendar. God starts it new every morning. We get that fresh start. You and I, we, we tend, to, we tend to, to, to hang on to that yearly calendar. I'm going to make this the best year ever. What about the decision you make in the morning? Because I think a one-time decision at the beginning of the year to change things, for some of us that's great and that's fine and it's where things start. But much more difficult and much more important is the decision to wake up every morning and keep following it. And that's the decision he's calling us to make. That's the place he's calling us to be is every morning with him. Because if it were a yearly decision, I'm going to fall off two months in. And if it's a weekly decision, I'm done by Tuesday. That's just the nature of my fickle human heart. If it's a monthly decision, I'm, I'm gone by the fifth. But if it's a daily decision, I got a, little, I got a little more time to work in there, right? I can make today his day. And tonight, I won't go to bed perfect, but I can go to bed blameless. Blameless before God and full of his love and mercy and filled up by what he called me to that day, ready to pour it out the next day. It's a struggle. It's not easy. Any of you who've been married know that it's a daily struggle to do things. Any of you who've been parents, you know that's, a, that's, a, that's an hour-to-hour struggle to do anything. This thing with God, that's a moment-to-moment struggle to make sure we're keeping close with him. And Hannah, I'm getting ready to wrap up. You can come ahead and get ready for invitation. This moment-to-moment with him where we keep deciding to go after him, he keeps making his mercies new every morning because we need it. I'm going to need his mercies to be new again tomorrow. And the question for us this morning is, so while our yearly resolution may seem important now, it's our daily resolution to make use of his uh, renewed mercy that really counts. Our resolutions are broken because we keep looking to the wrong things in them or giving them too much authority over us. Our resolutions are broken because they're inwardly focused, and that's the opposite of the gospel. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning as we get ready to, to have invitation? The first thing I want to ask in a, in, a, in a group of people that's gathered together when we have a quiet moment is beyond everything else I've talked about this morning, your greatest need is to know Jesus as your Savior. If you can point to a time in your life where you accepted him as Savior, he became yours, you became his, and you, you started walking in, in a new life with Jesus, you know when that is in your life. Just as a testimony, would you slip your hand up? Quite a few of us. Maybe you don't have that moment, that moment where it changed, where, where you became his and life became new and salvation was yours and you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that heaven was your home and that Jesus was your savior. If you've never had that moment, don't wait one more, one more day. Before you leave here today, there'll be counselors down front in just a few minutes when we give the invitation. Come talk to one of us. Two minutes we can give you the information you need to make that decision and it's your decision to make but it'll be the greatest one you ever made. Last week, for those of you here, we got to see five young ladies who had, who had made that decision recently and followed the Lord in baptism. The baptismal waters didn't save them or keep them saved. It was the first act of obedience after they made that greatest decision that any of us can ever make 
to go chasing after Jesus with everything we have to be saved. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saved. You raised your hand a moment ago. You know that Jesus is yours. You know that heaven is your home. Are we giving any decision or plan so much power that we feel devalued when we fail? If you've ever failed, which we all do, but because of that failure, you felt like you were worthless or worthless, you made that decision an idol. Because our value comes from God, and it can't come from any change, any promise, any plan we make. And maybe you're in it right now. Maybe you're in that moment of failure. Maybe you just need to hear your value is not wrapped up in the decisions you made or the things you've done or the mistakes. Your value is wrapped up in Jesus. He paid it on the cross, and he paid it all. That's what you're worth. You're worth everything to him. Are we trying to find our value in anything other than Jesus? We all have our little G-gods that we go chasing after. What are you chasing after? Your reputation, your time, your money, relationships, whatever it is. If you're chasing after anything other than Jesus to give you value, to, to validate you as a person, or to fill your heart up, it is not going to satisfy. Today may be the day you need to come and pray and just lay it down. Lay it down and pull the cross and walk away and start chasing after Jesus instead. Someone would love to pray with you about that. And the last thing before we, before we stand, God's mercy is renewed every morning. What are you doing with your daily fresh start? His mercy is renewed every day, which means every morning you and I get a fresh start with him. And it's not so we can sin and then be good again the next day. It's so that we can take advantage of that renewed mercy to keep living for him and keep living in the overflow of his blessings. And by blessings, I don't mean money or cars or houses. I mean him, his presence, his love, his purpose, multiplying every day in your life. That's how we're supposed to be living. Now, how many of us have traded in for worldly things, the things that only God can give? This morning, whatever, wherever you're at, I guarantee all of us are in some, uh, at some place in that list. Come this morning and do business with God. Grab somebody and go pray with them. Come pray with one of the counselors that will be down front in just a moment. And if you don't know him, come today. This is the greatest decision you could ever make. Heavenly Father, be with us now in this time of invitation. Just give us your spirit. Let it fall in this place. And for those of us that need to make a decision, give us boldness to step out and to pray to you. And for those of us that those of us that need it, God, maybe just give us the boldness to ask somebody near us if they need to pray to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us? If you need to come, come forward.